Hey, everybody. It's Jackie Johnson, host of Natch Butte. We talk skincare, we talk makeup, we talk all things beauty, and my guest this week is Ariana Maddox. Hi. What do we talk about, Ariana? Oh, my gosh. We answer all of your questions. We do. We talk about how our dogs were in a Pharrell video together. We talk about... Um, exfoliation. Oh, we talk about exfoliation. We talk about uh, tanning, self-tanning. We talk about laser hair removal. We, we go there. We dive, do a deep dive in my makeup bag. We And Tom's. And Tom's. <laughs> and Tom's Sandoval's. So maybe check out Natribute this week and see what we're talking about. See you there. Guys, finding quality denim jeans is tough. And to find a good pair without breaking the bank is just uh, almost impossible. But at Distilled, spelled D-S-T, T-L-D, you get like brand top quality jeans at a price that won't break your bank. And I know I said break the bank, but I like saying break the bank. And I'll say it again. Break the bank. But just go to distilled.com, D-S-T-L-D.com right now and use the promo code FERAL and check out and get a 20% discount on your first pair. And these are great jeans. I love them. I wear them all the time. Heck, I sleep in them. Distilled jeans. They're the best jean you're ever going to wear. In fact, I shower in them. Distilled jeans. D-S-T-L-D. They're good quality, super duper denim. And, you know, it's not going to cost you like $200 or $100. Go to distilled.com. D-S-T-L-D.com. Do it. Get some jeans. Look cool. Welcome to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. Yeah, we're doing this. <laughs> uh, welcome to episode 54 of Conversations with Matt Dwyer. I'm very excited. Today, my guest is Duncan Trussell, a podcaster, comedian, all-around awesome, and uh, a man with an amazing brain. And um, I just want to address uh, something uh, real quick-like. If... Um, the last few episodes I've been talking about going in a different direction with my show, and uh, that has definitely begun to take shape uh, this episode, and I would say the first one was last week's with uh, Josh Caldwell, where I'm focusing more on creativity and art and other things besides politics, because I said, you know, I was like, I just wanted to find a new dif- direction, and it's like, I'm not going to be, you can't explore art and not end up exploring politics, I think, or the world or many other social... I just got really drained, just like really focusing on, you know, drone attack. It's like, I felt like I was... It was becoming very draining for me personally to just constantly be reading about all these, you know, drone attacks and the war and awful things our government do. And I, I do... I think it's 100% important to stay... Be aware, stay aware, and staying alive. Watch Staying Alive, the sequel to Saturday Night Fever. It's a very important element of uh, social change in our country, but I just feel like art is hope, <laughs> you know, it, uh, it offers something, it might be about the world and politics and war, but it, it seems to art is more of a positive and, it, you know, a positive solution oriented thing where opposed to being just like, I don't know, I just felt really drained by constantly talking about, I guess, what's wrong with the world. I mean, I mean, there is a lot, I guess, wrong in the world, but as Duncan and I, Trussell, 
Duncan Trussell and I explore in this uh, next episode that we there's a lot right with this world. We also, and I, I think that's some. I, I want to sp- explore that stuff for my own psyche, <laughs> so so I don't um, knock a hole over where my closet door is and put a rope through it and hang myself because uh, it's just it's, it's time to focus on the light, I guess. Um, and what a better way to, than to, to do that with Duncan Trussell. We really talk about some fascinating things. I really think he's a, a brilliant dude. Listen to his podcast, The Duncan Trussell Family Hour. Follow him on Twitter. And I, I just want to say real quick, I have, I have some really great interviews slotted. By the time this airs, I'll already have them done. Really psyched about what this, how this show is taking shape in the new second year of it. And, uh, so... Keep listening, please, please. And here's one of my favorite interviews of all time, Dr. Russell. Trussell. Here we are. Uh, after a year, you, a year ago, a little over a year ago, you said you got to get back into fucking podcasting, and now it's a, it's been a year. Yeah, man, it's amazing because your podcast. You had a podcast before I had a podcast. I, I kind of had a podcast before a lot of people had. You had Not to w- brag. No, man. <laughs> you you had one of the initial fucking podcasts. I know. It I, was you and uh, what's that other guy's name? Matt. No, I know. You and Bronger. But oh. you, the, I'm trying oh, to think. Other. of comedy podcast? Jimmy Dore. No, not Jimmy Dore. Um, anyway, I just remember coming to Rizzo's place and doing it, doing the podcast. It seems like, I don't know if it's because I started doing something with my life, because <laughs> I felt really lost before I started doing it. Like, I've said that a lot. Like, I was kind of confused with what the fuck I was doing with before my Before you started doing this. Doing the podcast. The current incarnation. The, what, we, what people are listening to right at this moment, yes. and that moment is specifically up for them to decide when it is, because it's at two times, really. Well, yeah. I mean, it's at multiple. It's at every time, really. There could be somebody sitting in post-apocalyptic rubble right now who just threw batteries into something and somehow managed to listen to this poor you know, bastard that's weird because one in my mind's eye when i record this that's yeah. the person i record it for it's for that one final person the one guy sitting on an old old aluminum cooler i, I gotta listen to podcasts fuck it wild dogs in the street <laughs> rotting corpses dangling from overpasses stench of of burning metal. There's only there's there's only one government and it's three people. And he's just been declared an enemy of the state. So and all he has is that this is the only release he has from the anxiety that is his life. Then as soon as this episode ends and that that feral song plays at the very end, yes. his life just goes back into this angsty angsty is that not a word? <laughs> no, I just I, I never picture the post-apocalyptic mood as angsty. You know what? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the post-apocalyptic mood actually. Maybe everyone's going to be fi- they'll be relieved and they'll just be like, "Fuck! Finally, we know where we stand. Everything is everything is devastated. You know, we don't have to worry about there being no more water because now there is no more water. It is interesting when you see the apocalypse happen. Like, you know. The little pieces of of climate change, like that 
tornado that just happened. That thing looked fucking huge. Two miles. The thing was like apparently two miles wide. Really? It flattened an entire city. It, it you look at the swaths of swaths of land where there used to be a uh, city and it's just squares that were houses because I just heard this on the news um they can't it's very difficult to build basements there because it's a What real, do they do with their bumper pool tables? <laughs> <laughs> Above ground bumper <laughs> pool buddy. That, that sounds terrible. That is like 80% of the debris field around the tornado bumper was pool bumper tables? pool tables and cards. Yeah, I heard several uh, children got, like, stabbed with uh, pool cues, the t- sticks. 24 kids died. Several of them drowned in a basement. But when you see, like, people's reaction to that, having literally everything stripped away from them, it's really quite interesting to see. That's why I've avoided owning anything. Because you're afraid of tornadoes? <laughs> Which doesn't mean I know it's illogical Because I live in California But I feel like the way The environment is turning We're going to have earthquakes And they're going to go Right down Wilshire Boulevard They're going to just Go down Wilshire <laughs> Yeah It'll be Just think, destroy Wilshire Yeah Because I think Three Arts is there And I, I think they have A vengeance for Dave Becky <laughs> Yeah Yeah Some underground golem Just hates Three Arts It's uh, I feel like that and not to sound too hippie, but the the world is going, hey, man, get your shit together with these things. Like, I do feel like, don't you? Or is that too hippy-dippy? Well, I mean, I don't know that the, I think you're, I mean, I think the world is probably an organism. And I think the organism clearly is out of balance in the sense that it's multiplied into all the tiny little motes of life called human beings. And... For whatever reason, it's overpopulated itself, and whenever that happens, you run into trouble. Yeah. Do, do you do you know much about what they do with fracking? As in, which yeah. what they? I saw the ga- I saw Gasland that documentary. I I was uh, pro- I think I was depressed for two days after that thing. Really? Yeah, because I was just it broke my heart that like, nobody like these corporations like they have. There's people who can't drink their water, and, like, they're just making people ill, and they don't care. You know, man, there's a—if you sort of go back and look at every period in human history, I guess in answer to the question of, like, is it really the apocalypse? If you go back and look at every period in human history, there's a dominant shadowy fear thing happening. And sometimes the thing manifests as Attila the Hun— Sometimes it manifests as Hitler. Sometimes it's fracking. Sometimes it's smallpox. Sometimes it's um, just uh, uh, no food, famine. But every time period, there's always a smear running through human history where it would be easy if you were in the wrong place to think, this is it. This is clearly it. Yeah. I remind myself of that, you know, the whole biblical there'll be wars and rumors of wars. <laughs> but it's Well, I mean, it's it's a very great that's a that's a, a masterful ghost story, isn't it? Because if you I'll tell you when there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars wherever there's people. For as long as there's been people, for as long as there will be people, if you have over it's probably a thousand people, there will be wars and rumors of wars. The only thing that makes me think that what's different between our time and the Roman Empire and Attila the Hun is that they weren't depleted of natural resources. 
Well, I mean, yeah, that's a that is a um, that is a consideration that a lot of people a lot of people have. But I mean, there certainly have been m- massive famines that have oh yeah just crushed humans. I mean, if you look at the back in medieval times, people were like five feet tall because they were so malnourished. There was nothing to eat. They were so malnourished. If we could get time machines, we could go back and we could just bully everybody. You would be giants. You'd be, you'd be these big, <laughs> fat, stinking giants crushing the world. And if you, you know, if you actually look at the um, various statistics regarding war right now and mortality rates compared to other times in human history, this is a golden age. It's a beautiful golden age. Yet, there are changes happening. There are changes happening. You can't deny that. There's huge weather incidents that are happening, and there is stuff happening. But really, it's like... I don't think it really affects us. (laughs) Yeah, that's why I'm switching gears on my show, because I can't take thinking about that stuff too much anymore. Well, you're dealing with people who are are, uh, scared, and you're dealing with people who are projecting their own internal disequilibrium onto the world. With, like, political mindedness? Yeah. So, so you see this, like, because people will believe anything, dude. People will well, fucking believe. You only have believe... to spend five minutes on Facebook to see that. Yeah. Yeah. People believe anything. And people will just, so, so you end up getting this, like, there, there's inside of people this terrible gap or a... Uh, Emptiness? Emptiness, a uh, place of um, a vacuumy sort of want. And so you, instead of like just looking in there and being like, oh, look at this shit, man. Here's the conspiracy. The conspiracy is that I want to live forever. I'm angry at myself. I'm not doing the things that I want to do because I'm lazy. I think a lot of the, I think people, I think when people are very, even if they're correct in their beliefs, say like a Noam Chomsky, there is a, which is, a, I guess, a subjective thing about Chomsky anyway, but sure. uh, people want to be right. There's uh. a, like, I think there's a powerlessness, like all that intelligence to a degree is like, there's a powerlessness to it. Cause you're like constantly having it to prove that they're they're justifying something. Like I know when I get angry and I'm like I'm like why where does that shit come from? Like is it is that me like when I'm trying to like make points about things in the world? Am I just trying to really yell at my dad like, "Hey, listen to me. I matter." Yeah. <laughs> it's what I think. Like I've thought of it and like I don't think I mean I do think that's the injustice in the world becomes my injustice that my father put down on me. Also the title of my one man show. <laughs> <laughs> what my father put on me. Which is also, I feel, uh, sort of pedestrian saying shit about, my, oh, my father did this, that, this. Because it's like, all right, well, that's fine. It doesn't even really exist anymore. There's lingerings in my psyche of it, but... Well, no I mean, to- that's what the mind does, you know? It's fun to... It's, fun to, um, it's not fun, but you want to you wanna explain the, the disequilibrium, so... Yeah, parents are, is a good way to explain it. And then if it's, you know, you could choose society, you could choose depression. There's so many different ways to, like, try to understand 
the disequilibrium of the mind. And yeah, they're all valid, which is the confusing part. They're all incredibly valid. You've got a what you have happening here, as far as I can tell, is you've got this like <clears throat> this same this thing that's happening on all these different levels. And on one level, you have Syrian babies watching their parents push their intestines back into their body as smoke rises up from the places they used to play when they were kids. That's happening. That's no question that that's happening. But then on another level above that, you have the fact that every single human being on Earth is being ripped apart by the force of time. And all beings will be killed, devoured by the great abyss. That's on another level, you know? So you have, on the micro, you see the people who are killed by violence and it really sticks out. But then right above that is the fact that the ground is going to suck all of us into it and dissolve our bodies into nothingness. So then that's the thing that's on top of that, you know, and that's scary too. But then on top of that, there's a whole other level and that's where shit gets really weird. And that's the level you get to through spiritual practice as you begin to start tuning into this sense of like, oh my God, even in the midst of all this catastrophe, I am somehow okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. My, I got my ball cut off. My mom died. Yet somehow in the midst of all this, there's always just been this sense of like, this is fine. And the, and, and the, the, the more my spiritual practice gets out of whack or the, more, the less I meditate or the more I uh, let myself get confused, the more it would be easy to sink into a kind of victim place. Differentiation, you know, that's where you start dif- differenti- differentiating yourself from 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 other people and from the world and then then you that's where you get into the perfect place to be a victim but if you don't do that and you start like really working on yourself then all of a sudden weirdly as you like in any way that you can bring some moderate or minuscule harmony to the swirling vortex of your internal life it's the world outside you start settling down too. And the next thing you know, you're hearing birds and wind chimes and you feel that mysterious and compelling sense of love coming from nothingness. Yeah, do, do when you like I find myself cuz I've been meditating for 2 years now, thanks to you. Nice. <laughs> It'll be September actually, but I find my reaction to things differently. Like, I know... And you... I, I, there's part of me that's apologizing for saying this. But, like, I was looking at some a leaf on a plant outside your apartment before I came in. Yeah. And it was very... It was, like, like sort of had different textures, and it was... And it was very... I was, like, astounded by how beautiful this one leaf was. And I feel slightly embarrassed saying it because it makes you sound... Because we've labeled or, uh, like that sort of way of thinking is like weak and hippie like oh, I'm a fucking hippie but it's like I got really moved by looking at this leaf and I know that's so many people would mock that <laughs> well that's that song that's that Beatles song hey you got to hide your love away you know what I mean because that is what because the uh, the the way power manifests is not in, through expressions of love or through poetic apprehension of the beauty of the world it manifests in 
Shut the fuck up, dipshit. <laughs> because that's how people conquer other people. That's just no different than a dog pushing another dog's neck into the ground until it submits. And so there's a, you know, if you if you live a random life, then you inevitably get caught into a, in a power hierarchy. However it manifests, you know, and, and your friends will be idiots and you'll be around people who are really just scared and who are all closed off. It just means that people are, you know what I mean? It's like people, once you get into your head too much, then you then those kinds of moments just get lost. But look at any child or dog or anything that's living a pure life and watch the fascination that they have with anything in the world. It's all just this beautiful, incredible thing. Yeah, it's the more I've moved, removed myself from... I find myself moving away from all the things I thought were important. I find myself getting a lot more happy and just like not even like I sleep better. It's like yeah. I have no restless nights about, uh, I don't know, not getting booked on this show or not auditioning enough. I think there's nothing more suffer more suffering than like the world of an actor who's like, oh, like because it's constantly this like, oh, why not me? And oh, I, got, I can't eat that. I can't eat that. I got to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> well, actors are really in a rough bind man and um it's a real funny funny uh epidemic that happens to people who get sucked into that world because they are very rarely happy and uh they they do seem to be classic examples of some kind of aesop fable or something you know like they just seem like so uh so, um, it's just weird. You know, I've known so many actors and they're always working hard to try to book. Like, I, I've known actors and I've noticed some interesting things about them. One, they quite often hate TV. Like, they don't like TV. Or, or if you watch TV with them, they will poo-poo anything that comes on. And yet they would blow a long line of individuals to get that exact part they poo-poo. Well, that's what I'm saying. There's one weird paradox. I've been around people who deplore all forms of media that manifest on TV, yet 80% of their life energy is dedicated to getting on TV. So that's a really fucking confusing thing about actors. And then there's another very confusing thing about actors, which is many of them don't seem to really want to act. They don't really like acting, you know? Like, if you really wanted to be an actor, and you wouldn't just act when you got on TV. You wouldn't just act when a network executive said, okay, now you can act, friend. I've given you permission. <laughs> if you really were in love with acting, you would seek out theaters and plays and and you would always be you would have little monologue groups with your friends where you all engaged in this beautiful art of acting. Yet somehow so many of these people who claim to be actors, the only time they ever act is when they're memorizing some vapid one page thing with like two lines in it for a show on CBS. So it's like, oh, you mean, so you're only, the thing that you uh, want to do with all your heart and mind, the thing you want to do so fucking much, you only do it if you get the go-ahead from a network executive and you only do it for money. Well, doesn't that make you a piece of shit? 
I think it goes across with any mode of entertainment or creativity. Because my friend Shane Bugby, who's been on my show twice, was writing today on Facebook about like this friend of like people complaining about not getting into galleries, and he's like, galleries are rich people trying to please other rich people with art. Like it's like it's not true art. I mean, it is, but it's like it's an elitist game. He's like, go make your own fucking gallery. He's like, publish your own book. Which he does all this stuff. Like, he creates his own. He's like, create your own exactly. opportunities. That's what I'm saying. You run into these freaks, and they've got their mouths firmly clamped around the black, dribbling nipple of the goat of Hollywood, just trying to suck some green out of that fucking thing. When they're surrounded by wa- water, the, 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 there's billions of nipples. We're not dealing with like one fat <laughs> satanic goat. We're dealing with the fact that technology has sprouted an infinite number of nipples for the creative to suckle on if they really want to. So there is that. Dis- that that's the other disturbing thing when you see that these people who are still kind of like frozen into this fucked up antiquated system where they've got to go jump through hoops for people so they can get on a TV show that they would never watch in their life anyway. And the only reason they want to do it is so they can get some kind of token that they could wear around their vapid friends to show that they've made some small advancement that inevitably will dissipate until they're miserable again, rolling around in their bed in a desperate haze of greed, sadness, and jealousy, contemplating their own mortality and considering suicide. (laughs) What a great job. Where did you begin to think in this manner? Like, well, was there a moment in your life where, like, because, I mean, it's like we, like, you're not taught this shit in schools. You have to seek out a way. <laughs> like, or you're, this is way of, mode of thought is naturally ingrained in you. Like, does that make sense? Well, no. You, it's, it, here's, it's just, you, you sort of run into, like, um, well, I mean, I just think you make an analysis of what, it's trend analysis, you know? Like, you look at trends. That's what you, that's if you're a, if you're a hunter, if you want to grow food, if you're in, wanting to do any activity, you want to kind of understand what the weather is going to be like, what the environment's like, how are things shifting, where are things going? And so it, a, a nine-year-old can look at what's happening in uh, media and see that the reason that many of these people had such incredible power was not because they had some innate sense of a person's talent but because they had access to very expensive technology that allowed them to project images of these people into so many homes to hypnotize them so that they could sell cars and make shitloads of money. So once you realize like, oh, wait, that technology that, that, that you don't need that technology, you don't need them anymore. They're useless now because I can make money with my podcast. I can produce things myself and license them to people if they're good enough and I have the skill to do it. And I can do it for such a relatively low amount of money and low risk compared to them that I have a marked advantage over them now. Because when they want to make something, they are, pu- they are risking so much if they want to make something because of this awful, awful fucking golem that they've created which is you know has so many parts to it well you know so many fucking parts to it the insurance location agreements the zillions of people have to get paid craft service the unions all the different things it costs them so much to make something which puts them in a constant state of fear and terror you know because because the amount i don't blame them i'd be shuddering in my boots 
every day if I was a fucking network executive. If I had to pull my fucking car into that underground parking garage and ride that elevator up into the weird air-conditioned mausoleum and, <laughs> and just sit there and pray that my show about rednecks shooting alligators in the head hit some certain level of views so that I'm not going to lose my job. Do you understand what a fucked up life that is? Your life blood, your family, your children depend on a, on, a, on, a, on a certain number of people watching your show about rednecks shooting alligators. <laughs> Can you imagine the horror of that? I'd have a heart attack. And day three, I'd have a fucking heart attack. And that's what you what, what grandfather do for a living? What? Well, I'm just saying, like, their, the, the legacy that they leave, it's like, uh, it's not like, oh, my grandfather came here from uh, Ireland, and he worked hard, he purchased his own grocery store. He built a grocery store from the ground up. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. It's like, these, it's like what Grandpa do? Uh, he kind of came up with this idea about hillbillies. Yeah. <laughs> with, and, and, you know, man, it's like, the, the uh, I don't think that they're the pro. I think they're, they're just doing... They've just they're just doing a kind of like antiquated version of po- of podcasts. They're putting out content and they're, they're putting advertising on the content and they're making money from the content and uh and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that at all. That's fucking fine. It's just the hierarchical construct that comes from gatekeepers and bridge keepers. That construct is now falling apart. And there's nothing more delightful than that, is there? <laughs> I think it's wonderful. I'm glad that we could, like, I remember, like, when I first started doing comedy and stuff, and, like, you wanted to make a short film or something, it was an endeavor. Yes. Even with, like, video cameras, when those came, it was still, like, no, you didn't know anybody who owned one. You didn't know anybody who could edit stuff with, and if you did, it cost a lot of money. And it's like, now you can do stuff in, like, you could do it in a day. I was just, I was just, uh... Shooting this thing for uh, shit. I'm not allowed to probably not allowed to talk about it. Well, just be vague. Well, man, I was just shooting this thing for sci-fi. Like Joe Rogan has this new show, and I'm gonna be. Can gonna, you say that? Yeah, I could say that. I'm gonna okay. be on it with him. But they were using this technology that, um, w- where you can like take, uh, you you could take. They have a new technology. I'm not saying we use it in the show. But you can take, I mean, this is not, I'm sure I could talk about this. You can take cameras, GoPro cameras, which are $400, maybe $600, HD, full HD, 600 bucks. You can take these cameras and you can put them on drones, which cost 1100 bucks. So for $1,700. Like a drone in the fucking army plane? Yeah, 1100 to 1500 for one of these things. You can put a GoPro on this thing. So for a total of $1,500. You can now get aerial HD shots of anything that you want. Or you can fly the fucking drone through anything you want and get that effect of the camera like shooting through a thing. That's 1600 bucks. If you wanted to do that two, you know, probably two years ago, I need an aerial shot of this. Imagine, I need an aerial shot. Then you had to get, what are they called, a boom or a crane? You'd have to rent a big-ass fucking crane and get a helicopter helicopter if you wanted to get a high enough shot, and especially if you wanted to get the shot out in nature. You know? Think of that. 
Like that shot in The Shining, that awesome shot in the beginning of The Shining, it's an aerial shot of the road as they're driving up. That was a fucking helicopter. Now you could do that with a drone. You know what I mean? The amount they probably had to pay for the helicopter was so much. That was the big story about Rushmore that Bill Murray wrote a open check to uh, Wes Anderson so they could do this aerial shot like you're talking because they couldn't ha- they didn't have it in the budget and it was like and, and then they of course they didn't end up using a shot but it was like they had to have a fucking multi-millionaire go okay let's do the shot yes that is where it's all changing that's where it's all changing because this the power is like the the the, the genies out of the fucking bottle the power the the the, the the power that used to be locked away in the workshops of these mad alchemists who ran the networks is now all of us have it. So now we get to run into our own limitation. Now the limitate. Now you get the truth. If if you're having problems getting your shit out there, you can no longer blame it on the malfunctioning system. It's just that you're not doing what you you're not working. You're not doing it. Make your shit, motherfucker. It costs a hell of a lot less than it does to drive around to your goddamn auditions all day. Hell of a lot less. Go out there and invest some money in a camera and a drone and write out your screenplays and get your friends together and make stuff. Why? Because it's fun to make stuff. It's fun to make podcasts. It's fun to create. It's fun to do stand-up comedy. You do it because you like it. But the real truth is some of these people are getting their heads pressed against the iron hot truth that they don't like it they don't want to create they never wanted to create they're not interested in the creative process they don't want to put stuff out there you know what they fucking want they want fame that's all fame and pussy yeah but i mean that's what it i think it is like there's part of me that's like i see i'll be with people and i'm like they'll they'll get recognized and you're like ah fuck like there's that part of it where you're like because you do get that in your head, like, oh, I should be famous. But I then it's also, it looks terrible <laughs> to be like, see somebody, like, you're eating a dinner and you got people coming up to you. It's just like, that sounds, aw- or writing about who you're fucking. I don't want anybody to know who I'm fucking. It's a goddamn, it should be a, it's, a, it's like a, if it, it should be a byproduct of the momentum. You know, it's it's a byproduct of the goddamn momentum there. I just read about this new movie Cronenberg's put out about the cult of fame. Oh, really? Yeah, where it, it, uh, I don't know actually, it was like a New Yorker at the doctor's office. So it could have been old, but it's about some like futuristic time where people are so obsessed with celebrities that they're trying to inject themselves with the diseases the celebrities have. They want to experience the actually they want the the disease. The, the virus is taken from the celebrities' bodies and put into the people so they can experience the sickness of these people that they idolize. But again, man, that is what you're looking at there with the, the uh, celebrity culture anyway is that thing's dissipating too. That hierarchy's falling away. That, that's anyone who's fucking has a heart <laughs> should – as much as possible, dissuade people from engaging in the cult of celebrity. As much as possible. You want to remind people like, hey, just so you know, this little game you're playing where you think I'm special, you're just looking at a reflection of what's special in you that you've put on the screen of me for whatever weird reason. You can't accept the fact that you're special, that you're fucking great, and that 
everything that you do is the most unique and beautiful thing ever. People can't accept that. It's too hard to deal with it. They don't want to wake up in the morning and realize how amazing they are. They don't want to feel the light inside of them. They want to put that light on somebody else. It's so much easier that way than to have to deal with the responsibility of being a vortex of love. Fuck that. That's, that's a difficult thing, man. People think, well, I'm a dishwasher. I'm a, I've got an office job. Or They always have reasons that they can't be the love. They always have reasons that they can't be the light. And, and these reasons are ridiculous. They're ridiculous. But that's the thing. That's what we've been taught by these fucking cunts. <laughs> okay. When did you did, – that, it was a question I tried to – but like when did you as a child or something where you were like, okay, because you go along as a kid. Then at some point you start going, oh, shit isn't the way everyone's telling me. Because you definitely have a different mode of thought than most people. I happen to agree with most everything you say. Thanks. Like I'm like, but I mean, I'm like, yeah, that's a, this is all truth. But it's like most people don't live their lives thinking about these kind of things. But there's a moment. There's got to be like a moment or a series of moments that when some point in your life you're like, ah, uh, this shit's all wrong. Like I mean, I remember in my family that's listening, my listening to my dad tell nigger jokes and being like, I, I don't, what, why? Right. <laughs> like, we don't have any black people in our neighborhood. And I'm just like, why are we talking this way? And I rem- and that's when I started like moving away from my family. Well, you kind of, you know what it is, man. Like for me, all this, like I, re- I mean, I always kind of thought about this stuff, but then when I got cancer, and then and then recently my mom dying, those two things really helped solidify a lot of stuff for me. And then I just went, I went, just went to this meditation retreat and got to meet Ram Dass and the Zen oh, really? Roshi. Yeah, and recently. Yeah. And being around them was, you know, man, I was like riding in the car with this guy. Um, so these guys are Ram Dass and uh, many of these other people ran into that guy, Neem Karoli Baba, who was this, uh, just this, a guru living up in the mountains of India, sitting in a blanket, never, he told people not to bring people there, you know, told People don't let anyone know, but he didn't want to deal with the, with people coming there and worshiping him. He wasn't like Jim Jones. He could have had a humongous, massive cult if he wanted to, but the reason no one even knows about him is because he didn't want to be known. Yet he had a huge impact on society, like um, a huge impact. But his uh, devotees... Uh, have this very, very, very beautiful and simple uh, spiritual practice. And I was riding with one of these guys, Raghu Marcus is his name. He's, I got them into doing a podcast, and he's the guy who got me to go to the retreat. I'm riding in the car, and we're talking. And, like, I'm going – I'm talking about this guy, Neem Karoli Baba, using my intellectual mind. I'm like, well, is this what, – who is – what is this guy? Does this guy represent what humans are going to evolve into? Will, he, will all humans basically eventually evolve into like a, a super magnanimous love explosion that like transforms people around them? Is this what will happen for all of us? Is this like the first monkey that came down the tree? Is that what the enlightened beings are? The people who are these that pop their heads into society from time to time? And he's like, I don't think about Raghu Marcus says, I don't think about that stuff. He says, I just try to work on myself so that I can be of service to the person closest to me. Ah, 
Dude, that really put a fucking hammer to my everything for me because it was like, oh, shit, man. My mind's always trying to come up with these, like, insane, complex geometries and structures to try to explain ridiculous things that are fun to think about and kind of like playing chess with yourself. Yeah. But what the fuck does that really do as far as, like, the, when you're sitting next to someone and you're in a hurry – and you realize that they've had the worst day of their fucking life or they're lonely or some awful thing has happened to them and they need somebody to talk to really bad. How's that going to help you be like, you know what? I'm going to be late for my appointment so I can sit with this person for a while and give them some comfort. It's not. It's not going to help. <laughs> it's not going to help. And if you want to like – if you really think about well, what would transform society – what simple and basic thing would transform society? It would be a, a, a philosophy just based on this idea of like, I'm going to meditate. I don't know how – the way you meditate doesn't matter. Chant Ram, 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 Hare Krishna. Go fucking jogging and listen to the birds. Chant Nam Yoho Renge Kyo. Go to church. Do whatever it is just to calm yourself enough. So that when you get into a situation where someone near you really needs love, you can give it to them. You know? Do that. And if everyone started doing that or 30% of us just started doing that, it would be a much sweeter place. Traffic would be at least slightly more pleasant to drive in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah. I forgot what my point was. And then there's a panic of, oh, my God, there was a moment of silence. Oh, yeah. that. Well, no, that's because that's the other thing he said to me. You know, it's a funny thing that you just did that because that's what happened to me. Because right after he said that to me, he's like, there's just this happening right now. There's just this. And when I let myself go into that just thisness in the car riding with him, I shut the fuck up. There wasn't anything to say. The yap, 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 but the mind silenced. You know, it's like, oh, right. Why do we have to complicate it so often? Like, we really complicate everything. Like, I mean, e e everything. And it is, it is just that. So I can just, all right, let's just be quiet. It's amazing. I mean, it's, look, here's the thing. We don't want to get into, like, the moment you come up with, oh, here's the way to be, or here's the way to be, or this is what it should look like, or this is what it should like, then, you, then that's, you'll trick yourself and you'll start being phony. Because you'll be quiet when you don't feel like being quiet. And you'll pretend to be the thing. This, the, 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 the idea of this is you just sort of, like, you, you, you've, you've identified what, what is the most important thing. What's the most important thing in life? You do these experiments with fucking monkeys, baby monkeys. These satanic scientists did this terrible experiment with baby monkeys where they gave them the choice between food and having the comfort of like the, a fake mother monkey thing that they'd made. They picked the, the mother monkey thing. They picked the they, – they picked connection. They picked intimacy even with something fake over food. You know, babies who don't get, it's called failure to thrive. Babies who sometimes you don't get enough love, they'll just die. Love is the most important thing, period. What's in every movie? 
99% of movies, maybe not so much action movies, but even in action movies. There's always a, there's always a female or, well, love, or interest. A love interest. Love interest. Always. Sexist dick. I said female. Like, the only guys could be the... <laughs> <sighs> oh, God, you motherfucker. Well, my first thought was Die Hard. But then, it, late, then it was an Alien. I know. But then I thought Alien. Sigourney Weaver, who doesn't really have a... Too late, Matt. Fuck. You're going to get a mean tweet from Jen Kirkman. <laughs> yeah. The, the, uh, the, the most important thing is love. And love is everywhere. And love is inside of you. And, in fact, you, you are love. Now, that's where it gets foo-foo and weird. But so that's the idea. The, the real, when I was in Hawaii, I got to go. I got to hang out with Ramdas. They took me to his house. What? Yeah. And he it was like one of the most amazing moments of my life. And I think it permanently altered me because I haven't been the same since then. I don't know if I will be the same. But. Um, two things happened there. Got to his house. He wasn't there. House is beautiful. The vibe in there is so fucking intense. It's in Hawaii and Maui, right? And so basically I end up like Raghu Marcus is like, well, let's go swimming. We go swimming in the pool. And then Ramdas suddenly is there. He's in a wheelchair, but he can swim because he can float in there. And then the Zen Roshi's there. Uh, Joan Halifax is her name. She's a fucking um, legend. She's a legend, this woman. Um, so now I'm in, th- in the swimming pool with these two, like basically Ramdas is my Justin Bieber and, uh, this- that's a bumper sticker in the making <laughs> and the Roshi, you know, this Roshi, I've been listening to her say the most brilliant, uh, things. And both of these people, cause they've been giving talks, you know, they just beam out love. And suddenly I'm looking at them interact in a swimming pool, playing in a swimming pool. They're playing with each other. They're playing like kids. She's carrying him around the swimming pool. He's laughing. They're not like alming or chanting. They're, you look at them and it's no different than when you see kids playing in a pool. No different. Yet these are two you know, people who are, I don't know how they are, 60s or in their 70s maybe. And uh, they're fully in the moment. And you can't fake that shit, man. That, that, what they were doing was, was so simple, yet... Um, when I think when I think about how I when I'm at the swimming pool, how I'm kind of enjoying myself, but there's like you know a nice part of my brain that's like hairy back, fat stomach, balding head, <laughs> hairy back, fat stomach, balding head, balding head, fat stomach, hairy back, hairy back. I'm cold. It's too cold. Water's cold. Fat, 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 fat. Balding, 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 balding. Hairy back, hairy back. One ball. I've got one ball. I'm dying. I'm dying. I'm dying. That's my that's my experience of a pool. <laughs> you know? But you see what you see what's happening there, like, oh, that's what it is. That's what the spiritual practice gives you. It gives you the ability to go back to enjoy the pool like you did when you were a four year old or a five year old. That sense of just pure exhilaration and the sense of the, a swimming pool, just knowing you were going to a pool in a few hours, that can make whatever those hours were totally worth it. It can make your day incredible. Now, I don't know if everyone liked the pool as much as I did when I was a kid, but goddamn, most kids love the fucking pool. And if you look at a kid in the pool, the way they're acting, or if you look at a dog at the beach, the way they're acting, they're in paradise. 
So that's what the spiritual practice will do. It'll put you back into paradise so that you can enjoy what you should be enjoying. That was enough for me. Just seeing that was like, okay, I get it. That I, now I now I really get the goal here. It's not some profound enlight like enlightenment or being able to levitate. It's just being able to sit outside and have a nice day. <laughs> Which is everything. You can't fucking buy that. You can't buy that. There is no amount of money that will allow you to buy being able to enjoy a day. Now, you might be able to buy drugs that will temporarily enhance the experience and might blot out the part of your brain that's screaming about how ridiculous and horrifying and awful thing that you are, which you aren't. But the mind will tell you that because that's where your daddy got into you. But, but the, 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 it doesn't last. These people have like made it last. So that was one, that was one thing. And then Ramdas in the pool looks over at me and I, he's like, I want to talk to you. And it was really cool because he heard I had a podcast. He knows I talk about him on the podcast. They told him about me. So like then we're back in his house and he wheels up to me in his wheelchair. And he's sitting there looking at me, looking into my eyes and he's just looking at me. And he's, dude, this guy is beaming love. That's what he does. He just beams love. He's just beaming love. There's just this big smile on his face. He's beaming love at me. And uh, something, I don't know what he's, whatever it was, was just ins- it was an insane moment for me. And, and then I started, um, and then and this is what he said. He points at my head and he says, you have to move from here. And he points to my heart and says, to here. And it was like, it sounds so trite when I say it. But when you're in, the, the words are irrelevant when you're in the presence of this sort of fucking thing happening. You know, it's just a, I can't explain it, man. Um, and we had, to, we talked about some other stuff, but uh, that, that directive, just think, that's, you don't, that's so, it's such a simple directive, yet it, there's so much there to chew on for your whole life because you can just sort of sit and look at yourself and be like where am i right now where am i am i in my heart right now am i in my heart am i experiencing this moment am i like feeling what this is am i experiencing this or am i up in my fucking head right now i gotta do this i gotta do this i gotta call this person i've got to do this i'm tired i don't need to take a nap i can't believe i did that oh my god do i have cancer am i gonna die where's my mom now the chatter of the fucking head, you know? You can, all, you can just look at yourself right now and be like, where am I? And probably you're in your head. You know, not you, but, you know, generally, maybe some people listening to this, you're in your fucking head. And so the idea of, like, going down from your head into your heart, that's one of the things that in one of the talks he said you could just point to your heart. Point to it. That's the point to that chakra. Point to it. And, um, and, and let your consciousness move there. And experience that feeling. Because so many people have been disconnected from that their whole lives. That it's like a numb, cramped foot or something. Like there's nothing. At first there might not even be anything there. It's like when your foot cramp falls asleep. It's like when your foot falls asleep. That's what your heart did. It fell asleep. So when you start going in there at first, it's the same thing as when your foot starts waking up. It doesn't feel good right away. You know, it, sometimes it doesn't feel good. It tingles, it's numb, but something's there all of a sudden. Then you have to start standing up and walking around, and then the blood flow starts again. It's not like when you jump down into your heart, it's immediately good. It's like you might feel some anxiety. You might feel nervous. But at least you're not in the fucking whirling, swirl, howling backyard filled with underfed, malnourished ghetto dogs that your mind is. 
And that's the practice. And I fucking love it. I love it. I think that's the that's such a simple prescription. It undercuts everything, as far as I can tell. Well, I think you're right. Hare Krishna. <laughs> Sorry for the rant. What what attracted you to uh, Krishna, as opposed to like, do you consi- do you label yourself one thing or do you? Because I, I don't. I caught myself calling myself a Buddhist for a while, and I was like, I don't know if I should do that. Not should, but. You know, like, I feel like that limits things, though I do believe in the Dharma. Yeah, I I, I think that the, yeah, that whole Buddha, like saying you're a Buddhist or that you're, um, I'm a child of the earth, man. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I think that you, uh, I think you, um, uh, yeah, I don't label myself anything. I hate labeling myself with stuff. You start labeling yourself as something, then you got to, you know, then you have to be that thing. You know, like you see so many people trapped in labels, especially comedians. Like when somebody's decided they're a comedian, oh, now they got to be. You got to have your outfit. You got to have your little clothes that you wear that people recognize, which is true. Most comics I know have a little outfit. You got to have your fucking funny clothes, and then uh, I'm gonna put on my play clothes, and then like you. uh, you uh, then you then you have to be in this certain you 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 can get caught up in the identity of the thing. So yeah, labeling yourself can be uh, is a tricky thing. Just as, as you know, or when someone's like, "This is like," we don't ask people who are you as a part of getting to know them. We don't ask people who are you. We ask people, "What do you do? What's your activity that you?" Are predominantly engaged in and then through that activity we assess what kind of person that we're dealing with so a person might say well i'm a accountant now you think mm, well nerdy nerd loves math always got his head in the books of sun balancing those excel spreadsheets now that's what the person is now you've transformed a person who probably, God knows what this person's seen. God knows the experiences this person has. God knows what this person is. Shit, this person might be like, this person might volunteer at a hospice. This person might have held their dying mother in their arms uh, a few months ago. Or this person might have someone that they love who's sick. Or this person might have just gotten their heart broken. They're not a fucking accountant. That's just some activity that they engage in to try to get money. So that's one of the foul aspects of of uh, our society is that predilection to gauge a person's self on their activity. And that sucks. So so if you start doing that to yourself, like I'm a Buddhist and then you're like, well, but I kind of think there's an afterlife or maybe I feel like I'm connecting to some kind of higher intelligence that's transcends uh, embodied form. But that can't work because in Buddhism, you know, that's a in most forms of Buddhism. That's a, something we don't think about, you know. Depending on what it is, now you get stuck in a form. I'd rather not be stuck in a form, but there is something to be said for like committing to certain practices for a while. Yeah, I think people. It's weird. I think people definitely uh, often poo-poo it. Like, oh, you blah blah blah. Like even when I first started meditating. I, there would be an outside voice being like, oh, really? <laughs> like, yes. like, judging me. Now I'm like, I have to do it. Like, I, I have to do it or I catch myself going 
the brain gets too active like in all the bad ways like it's all just like oh fuck what are you doing with your life uh, oh you, sh- you need to be doing more stand up it's like when I meditate a lot I have no desire to do much stand up like if someone says like hey you want to do a show I'll be like okay but it like, becomes less important yeah because me thinking I gotta do a lot of stand up just means oh, well, you're not, you need to justify yourself that thing man you should do the fucking stand up because you want to do the stand up and then, then see. but yeah I know what you mean man like I'll, I'll like start chanting usually like right around the time I start getting into audible arguments with people from my past like sometimes i'll find myself like in my car actively doing a like clever retort to someone that (laughs) (laughs) i do it all the time like oh i'm gonna be prepared the next time i see them and then you see them and they're like i've had it where i'm like oh you fucking you just say that thing you say that thing you always and then it's like then they'll be like i want to apologize if you ever you're just like what you're actually yeah, yeah. It's, i was like i just wasted a half hour in my car getting pissed off you were getting ready to fight you yeah man or like the 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 uh the um the dude i will not only will i like get into arguments with people in my head but i will get into arguments with people in my head based on things that haven't even happened yet so not only will i be getting in an argument with someone but i'll be getting in an argument after i've achieved something so I've had like arguments with people where like who I thought maybe thought I I didn't have what it takes, and in my mind somehow I've constructed this dramatic soap opera conversation. Where I'm like, see, you are wrong. Look where I am now. I guess you are wrong. And I see myself doing that. It's like, well, who is that? <laughs> and what what does that achieve? And like, what, why would you want to? Why what what does that really achieve if you're miserable and you have success? Like in your mind, you fabricated a reality where you have some success, and now you're holding it over the people who you who, who thought that you couldn't do it. So you're just as miserable as you were before you had the success. So why would you even want the success in the first place? But anytime my mind starts doing that shit, that's when I'm like, all right, so we have to chant now. No matter what it is that I, you know, whatever you're doing, just fucking sit on the goddamn carpet, sit on the ground, and just start chanting for an hour. And then at the end of that hour. Somewhere in that, you know, you know, when you're meditating, somewhere in that, this thing emerges that you forgot. It's really weird, but this suddenly this, like... It happens every time. It'll be clutter, clutter, and like, all right, I want to think about that. And then it's like, finally, it's just like... Then it's, it's in the clear. Yeah, and that thing emerges. And that thing is like... God damn, man. It's like the smile comes back, and it's not some bullshit smile. It's like all of a sudden you remember this thing that's very difficult to articulate and then it's like oh right and now the rest of your day will have this lube to it do you do it first thing in the morning meditate oh god i wish i did man i i lately i i've been this is something that roshi uh joan halifax was talking about it's like of all the things the most important thing is a regular spiritual practice that you show up to every day so at least at the same time every day even if you don't want to, even if you are grumpy, even if you're tired, even if you're hungover, even if you're sick, you still do it. That, that's like – that's like a, I think that's an excellent bit of advice. And so I've been – that has created some dissonance in my mind because I will get up and I'll be like all the shit I just said to you is just out the window. I'm like I'm going to clean or I'm going to take care of some bills or I'm going to – call somebody or run an errand or I'm going to play video games or I'm going to jerk off to porn or I'm going to whatever lazy, stupid or responsible thing is. 
and I'll trick myself to keep myself from meditating. And I just basically have to drag myself to the spot and just sit down and start chanting. But no, not in the morning, but I wish I did. And when I do it in the morning, it's much better a day. Yeah, I try to take him for a walk, take the dog for an hour walk, then I meditate. And that's like my after coffee. Coffee? Yes. I, I can't. I can't. But I thankfully, I recently some f- people told me that coffee is actually good for you. It's not bad for you. Because I was always like, I got to quit coffee. And someone was like, why? And I was like, I, I don't, aren't I supposed to? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't like, it kill me? Well, supposedly it gives you a lower rate of uh, for ca- colon cancer because it makes you poop all the time. That it does. It, uh, it's an antioxidant. That it is. And it supposedly keeps the sex drive up in elderly people, which I'm rapidly nearing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What do you think of ever about leaving L.A.? Like, because you can go exist anywhere. Do you ever? Because sometimes I think, oh man, wouldn't it be great to live in a quiet, like, just a city with that's a little bit more has this more stillness to it. Like I'm thinking Pasadena right now, <laughs> but you know, man, I will make the decision about going somewhere else when I have found some peace inside of my heart. That's that that isn't. It's a some a little it's a little more stable than what I currently have, because that whole thing of like I'm going to move to this peaceful place, but I'm not peaceful. That's like being like I'm going to move to this place that smells better, but I'm going to carry my bag of diarrhea with me. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, you know what you could do, which is pretty good for the brain. Here is uh, my lady and I drove up. To Mount Wilson, have you ever driven? 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 Have you ever driven up I've there? I've driven up there. I've never driven up there. It's. We should do it. We, we could do it. In my Jeep. We did it. In my Jeep with the doors off. There's no roof. Cool. And it's like it's a couple miles up there, and you can keep going. We just went to Mount Wilson where the where the Hubble telescope is. How far away is this? It's up to two. It's at the end of the two. I want to do that. Let's do it Friday. What do you do? Just drive up there. I'm going. To, man, it's so funny. I'm going to Vegas. <laughs> Oh, wait, that's beautiful, too. That's really... You'll just find so much inner peace in Vegas. Just go go and sit in the... the UFC in Vegas. Sit right in the middle of Caesars, cross your legs, and just drink it in. Just listen to the clang, 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 and the sounds of people losing, and the old woman on the oxygen tent. Just let that wash over you. An oxygen tent. It's not just a fucking thing. They actually have an oxygen tent around some of the. She slot spent machines. so much in there. She they just they made one for her. all those. If there were oxygen tents in Vegas, they would just be always be ex- popping and exploding in flames as geriatrics smuggled in their palm malls and lit them up. That's uh, Vegas is a Vegas is a real. I lived there. It's an interesting. It's everything I. I think everything kind of wrong with this country crammed into one hmm. festering shithole. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is useful. You know, there is some... I like that you found the positive, but it is, because it is, it's kind of like... Well, Buddhists would, um, they would go and sit next to char pits, or what they call char, 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 I can't, I can't remember the name of it. Char burgers. They'd sit next to burger joints and smell the hamburgers (laughs) without eating them, and that gave them this. They would sit next to rotting corpses. Really? Yeah, and they would watch the bodies decompose. Monks would do that. So you would sit and you would meditate next to a pit filled with dead bodies, 
and you would watch this slow decomposition of is the human Is there a label form. for that? Um, Other than a good time. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a, see, that's a, but what you're saying makes me think of something because I think I don't think a lot of people have a, a realistic concept of not just death, but their own death. And I'm very thankful I got a good taste of both at a yes. very young age. Yes. I mean, I, I saw my father pretty much die. Yes. And I mean, I did a, watch my father that's die. A, that's a, that, that experience is an initiation into a place that a lot, especially that young an age, that um, a, lot, a lot of people don't get. That's heavy information, man. That's heavy information. It is. And then I had, I had a cancer scare a few years ago. It turned out to be nothing, but there was a week of life where you're like, "Yeah, I would wake up crying." That's all it takes. And it got, you know, I I flew like got hit by a car and flew through the air where, and it's like I remember like seeing the car come at me on my scooter and just like that like it was kind of interesting because I just was like, "Well, here it goes." <laughs> like it wasn't like, "Oh my yeah. god!" It was just like, and I remember the sound of hitting, and I remember being in the air, but it's like you don't. You think differently after that, those kind of experiences. Yeah. What I'm saying is, as spiritual people, we should go to people's homes and drag them from them, put guns in their heads, to their head, and say, tell me what it's all about. And that'll help bring them to a higher consciousness. Wake up to the impermanence of life! <laughs> Wake up to the impermanence of existence! So you can appreciate your day-to-day I guarantee you that guy is going to stop fucking his secretary. He's going to hug his wife, and he's going to love his kids a lot uh, more. Man, I'll tell you. The crazy thing is, man, you don't have to fucking go into homes and, and rape people's wives in front of them and kill their children so they I can didn't say it. anything about rape. I'm just throwing that in. <laughs> you do. You, the crazy thing is, man, if you really want to spin people, just actually get into your heart so that you start feeling again just feel and these days if you can just get yourself to fearlessly let yourself feel instead of numbing out in your brain you get around people and you're doing that you'll cause some serious shifts in people's consciousness if you even take it further and get to the point where you can get around people and show them unconditional positive regard see that thing inside of them that their parents saw before they rotted on the vine and turned into hardened, twisted douchebags wearing UFC clothes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No offense to UFC people. You know what I mean? Some of them are vegan, which Some I Some of those, no, actually, I shouldn't have said that because many of those people, whenever you run into, especially the fighters, and whenever you run into people who like practice martial arts, they're always super peaceful and really cool. It's just the drunk fans sometimes that are a little on the grotesque side, but like the people who actually have the discipline and work at it, they're amazingly sweet because they're getting they know where they they're getting they learn how dangerous the ego is and how ridiculous it is because your ego interesting. gets your ass kicked. If you have a if you have, your ego is the thing that gets you running your mouth to somebody when you shouldn't be and ends up like the the ego is the thing that makes a dumb dumb swing on someone because they're drunk and they've said something that offended them whereas people who are like constantly like getting strangled every day or know their limits and they've they they've learned they've martial arts is control the ego i would say that all those people are super peaceful man all of them 
I think also probably not all of them feeling that much like getting punched and kneed in the face. It's a bit of it's like when Bukowski said that it's the one thing that really made me love Bukowski is when he said they asked him about his father beating him and he said it taught me literature. And it was the most profound, because it wasn't like, oh, poor me, or blah, blah, yeah. blah. It was, I, it's why I do everything. It's why I write. That, that the fucking martial artist, every time they get beaten, they learn something. So by being defeated, they get stronger and stronger and stronger, and they have an actionable way to demonstrate this strength, which is their progression and whatever martial art form that they're practicing and that keeps your ego in check because the ego what does the ego do the ego is like i'm an expert i know how to do everything i know everything that's what the ego wants to be an expert that's why you hear that term zen mind beginner's mind it's the opposite of that it's like let's just drop the fucking thing that you know what the fuck you're talking about and throw yourself into this place where like probably you don't know anything more than likely you mutated sperm egg combo that's only been on this planet for 30 or 40 years or I don't know how old your listening audience is 15 years 20 years whatever I I imagine 15 year olds in the apocalypse mutated little fucking (laughs) pinky like you understand shit you don't have time to understand here you're zapped out in 60 or 70 years poof reassimilated back into the matrix of life you're gonna figure something out freak go have fun at the pool stop trying to know everything dumbass talking to myself here well i just i've in i want to what would if you were going to suggest two books to somebody what would it be like what are the two most important books to you or that you would be like you should read this uh okay or it could uh, even be more than two i don't know why i picked two, two that was well random. i would pick uh the bhagavad gita I need to read that. I've never read that. And um, uh, Be Here Now. By whom? Ram Dass. Oh, yeah. Those two books are a great combo. So you could just do that. Those two books are really good. And, and you, could, you could get the Eknatha Swaran translation of the Bhagavad Gita, which is great. A great, great, great translation. So Eknatha Swaran, Bhagavad Gita, and um, Be Here Now, which is annoying to people because they... It's kind of like a floppy parchment style book that you have to turn different directions and it's like 60s acid font through the whole thing where people, oh, we're all one, man. But at the back of, the, there's a still amazing things in it and at the back of it, there's a, a um, some, something Ramdas wrote called A Cookbook for Spiritual Life and it shows you how to meditate. It's got a lot of great advice about where, where, oh, how to start a practice, which is quite useful and there's all these amazing quotes from every possible religion and philosopher in there too, which is pretty cool. Cause you know, so many different people like circled around this basic idea. Thank you, Duncan Trussell. Thank you, Matt Dwyer. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Thank you very much for listening to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. If you enjoyed the show, please tell your friends about it, tweet about it, write about it. Hey, at the coffee shop, you're like, hey, that was a pretty good show. Let's, uh, people should listen to that show for conversation with Matt If you really like the show, you could donate to it. Uh, I would really appreciate that because I 
struggle a lot to put this show out there. So does Dustin Marshall, my producer man. He sacrifices his entire life to put Feral Audio together. And it's pretty awesome. Things are pretty awesome in the world. Uh, you can, if you can't afford to donate, you can go through my uh, Amazon page there and you can donate. Buy some shit, I mean, and then I get a kickback of that money. Follow me on Twitter, Matt underscore the wire at twitter.com and keep up the fucking good times. National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. <laughs> the NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.